Hello. We want to thank you for joining our Living Messiah family by downloading this podcast. We hope it blesses you and enriches your life. We also want to encourage you, uh, if you can, and if your heart is so moved, to support this ministry by going on our website, livingmessiah.com, and donating to help us to put these podcasts in every nation, every place, so we can bring these messages to change lives, to help people grow in the Word of God. Once again, thank you so much for being part of our family. Shalom. Father, we thank you for the reading of your word. Open our eyes and our ears to the beautiful things that you want to teach us today. Father, your word is so illuminating. It is so precious. It is so refreshing. So, Father, we are here to feast upon you. As the song says, we feast upon you, Hushua. So thank you, Father. We glorify and praise you. In your mighty name we give thanks. Amen. Okay, again, we're in uh, Numbers 14, and uh, if, you're, if you've been visiting with us for quite some time, Mike is open. If you're new or you hadn't been here in a long, long time, we would ask you to wait until we get to know you before you raise your hand to get the mic. But if you are someone that we know, we want you to raise your hand if you have questions or comments, so the mic will make its way to you want to welcome everybody online that's joining, everyone here. Thank you for being part of our assembly, and we want to thank you that you are joining us in fellowship, communion. We're going to talk about commonwealth. We're going to talk about citizenship. We're going to talk about trusting in the flesh. I also want to remind everybody that, you know, I was reminded by someone about a congregation a long time ago, Messianic congregation, and the people were fighting. They started getting fighting and bickering amongst themselves over little simple doctrinal things. And five, six, seven years passed by, and they all ended up coming back together and fellowshipping again and was saying to themselves, you know how dumb it was? You know, we, the core things, we believe Yeshua is the Messiah. We keep the commandments of God. We keep the feasts, all these things. What are we doing? And so today we're talking about the commonwealth of the people, Israel, and citizenship. And so these are very interesting uh, that we're going to talk about. And so I like how verse 34, uh, the way it read, I'm guessing that was the ISR, it talked about you were broken off. And remember, we were broken off, but we were grafted back in. And so even though God has broken off his people, uh, do we think that he's not going to graft his people back in? Obviously he is, or his promises are void, right? God wants all of his people to walk in the commandments. God wants his people to follow them and be obedient. We're going to talk about some of this stuff, and so hopefully it'll shed some light on us. But remember, we can have differences of opinion. We can have unity even with difference of opinion. I mean, think about your own home. I've got 10 people in my house. You think we all have the same opinion on everything? I guarantee you we don't. But we're still together. Verse 8. I'm reading most of this from the Torah out of the Targum because I'm, I want to present to you some of the thoughts, some of the way the Targum was translated. It's just really interesting how it's, it's, the translation goes. Again, it's a very old, old translation. So if Yahweh is pleased with us, he will bring us into the land. When will he bring them into the land? When he's pleased with them. Did Jews enter the land in 1948? He did. Must be pleased with them. To whatever degree or extent, does that mean everybody that's there is following what God said? No. Never has been, right? It never has been. There's always a remnant. Remember Elijah said, I am all alone. God says, oh, no, 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 no. I've got 7,000 that I haven't bowed. 7,000? Really? I thought I was the only one? God has his people. He's not going to abandon them. Again, comments, questions, raise your hand. Here's what's interesting. He's going to bring them into the land he will give it to them, as he promised. 
and the land that produces good fruit. So the land, we're thinking about, well, it's going to grow up apples and grapes, which it does, but the holy land is going to produce holy people, that fruit. It's going to produce really good fruit. This is what happens on the holy land. It's what should happen. Has it always? No. But will it, will it eventually always? Yes. It's going to get to that point where Yeshua is reigning there, and that's what's all that's going to happen there. It's a wonderful thing to look forward to. Verse 11, And Yahweh said to Moses, How long will these people provoke to anger before me, and how long will they not believe in the name of my Memra? He might as well have said Yeshua because Yeshua and the Word are synonymous with one another, right? How long will they not believe in my Word, my memory? That's who Yeshua is. According to all my miraculous signs that I have done among them, they should have, in the first century, believed in Yeshua. He was doing all the miraculous signs. The Word was doing the miraculous signs. They didn't believe in the Word. Did all of them in Jerusalem not believe in him? No. Did a lot of them? Yes. Verse 12. I will kill them with the plague. I will destroy them. And I have the ability to appoint you to be a greater and stronger nation than them. Then Moshe said, and I, this is my opinion. I believe the Almighty is setting the stage to see a character trait rise up in Moshe that he wants all of us to have, which is like the Messiah being the one to intercede for a people that's about to be punished. And so many of us probably have had opportunities where we could have interceded for somebody. Maybe didn't. Maybe we did. And so stages are set for us to be merciful, to be gracious, to be compassionate. And so he's wanting to see, is, is Moses, I'm going I'm to tell Moses, I'm going to wipe these people out. Let's see what he says. Moshe said, now the Egyptians will hear it, for you brought up by your might these great people from among them, and they will tell it to the inhabitants of the land that they have heard that you are he. Hmm, you are he. I remember Yeshua saying, I am he whose glorious Shekinah is in the midst of these people. For vision to vision, you have been revealed through your memra, through your word. I love that. I absolutely love it. Because you know what? Nothing has changed. The revelation here has come through the word. And in the first century, guess where the revelation came through? The Word. The Word. O Yahuwah, and the cloud of the glory of your Shekinah was over them, and in a pillar of cloud you traveled before them by day, and in a pillar of fire by night. Through what? How is he revealed? Memory. Word. And if you kill these people as one man, the nations who hear your report saying, because there is not the ability before Yahweh to bring these people into the land, he had sworn to them, he slaughtered them. But now may your strength be great, O Yahweh, just as you have spoken, saying, and I, this is my opinion, I think, the, I think the Almighty wants us to do these things. He's just waiting for us to call him into action. He likes it, like when, when Phinehas got so zealous for, for the Almighty and wrote the spear between them. He wants to see somebody rise up and speak for his namesake. To be zealous for him. Not only to be against wickedness, but to strengthen the people. To call him into what he promised. Reminding him, remind him of his promises. Oh, God doesn't need reminders. Really? The rainbow, he said, I'm putting that in the sky for a reminder that I wouldn't wipe out the earth. God doesn't need reminders, huh? 
maybe we should say need or want reminders. God wants reminders. Most of it is, I'd say all of it is for our sake, the reminding part, but God wants us to see, man, just like your children, see kids rise up and say stuff that you want them to say. Verse 18, Yahweh is patient of spirit and far from anger, but near to mercy. And he manifests abundant grace, forgiving and pardoning sins and remitting the sins of the rebels. He didn't say the non-rebels. He said remitting the sins of the rebels. And atoning for sins, but he will not acquit on the great day of judgment, remembering the sins of the wicked fathers on the rebellious sons for the third and fourth generation. Mm. Remember to raise your hand if you have questions or comments. Verse 19. So forgive now and remit the sins of these people according to the strength of your loving kindness, just as you have borne these people. You borne them on what? Eagle's wings. You borne these people from Egypt until now. Then Yahweh said, oh, this is good. I forgive and I remit according to what you've said, but as I live and exist by my memory forever, all the earth is filled with the glory and the Shekinah of Yahuwah. And the people who saw my glory and my miraculous signs that I have done in Egypt and in the wilderness and have put him to the test these ten times and did not heed the voice, the word, they are not going to see the land that I have sworn to their fathers, so all who provoked me will not see it. But some did go in. What's the difference between the ones... Let me ask you a question here. So this group that he said is going to die in the wilderness, did he stop leading them? Even though they had done the unthinkable, did he stop leading... Did the the pillar of fire go... And just like a fire that dwindles and dies, and the cloud just kind of vanish, you know, like on a cloudy day, this cloud. Did it all just vaporize just because they rebelled and, and did something that made him angry? No. There were consequences, weren't there? They weren't going to go in. But the shepherd stayed with them. And you know what? The children that didn't do those things, they get to go in. So the promise is still to the people, even though there was a group that was rebellious. So we can't say that all of Israel is out just because there's some that don't obey, or all of Israel is out because some of them didn't see Yeshua in the first century. Because they're, as he says, I always have a remnant that are faithful. Always. God's always got it. Polly has her hand up. In verse 23, it says that they provoked him is why they didn't go in. And earlier when you read in 14, I think it was about verse 28 or 29, it said, because they grumbled against me. Yes. It never said they were disobedient, but they grumbled and provoked him. Yep. Amen. Well said. And over here. I love the Targums. Having a lot of fun with them. Um, it always interested me that they cursed themselves in verse 3. They said, our children will be a prey, our wives and our children. They're going to be destroyed if we honor the Lord. And then he goes in you bring uh, the curse 31. Upon yourself and he the, brought a curse yeah, on themselves. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. They spoke things that he did not speak. And in 31 it says, but your little ones who you said would be a prey, them I will bring it. So in other words, 
it kind of speaks to me that um, we look with our natural eyes on a lot of circumstances in life and think we can meet the need or whatever, but it's the Lord who's protecting us. It says, um, like he who trusts in horses, that's not going to work. If, you, if the Lord doesn't guard the house, they guard, the watchmen watch in vain. So it's a lot of things. He is in charge. So there is a, a large number, well, let's just say every one of you here, within the last year to 30 years. Is there anyone that's been keeping the feast and Shabbats longer than 30? Raise your hand if you have. Anyone been keeping the feast and Shabbats longer than 30? <laughs> She's going to raise her hand. So before you came into the feast and the Shabbat, had God stopped leading you or doing things for you? Had his mercy ended? No. But yet he was gracious enough, even in your ignorance and lack of obedience to those things, still brought you and drew you in. And that's the mercy and the grace, the compassion and the forgiveness of our King. And we cannot forget that. We cannot look down on our Christian brothers or our Jewish brothers or our family members. that are. We can't be pounding people with what we feel is right. Trust me from experience. We've just got to live it and love one another. That's, that those that are commonwealth and citizens, let's love on each other. Because you know what? How wonderful it is we've got all of the people part of this assembly and many other assemblies that are getting it. That's huge. And God's like, how are they ever going to assemble as a, as a million people if they can't even come together as 30? Mm, yes. Never mind. <laughs> Okay, back in the back, back in the back. <laughs> the main thing to get out of today is commonwealth and citizenship, and we are part of it. We're people that, that are, God brought us together as a people. We need to maintain that fellowship, maintain that community, maintain this family. You know, a father that's ahead of a family, his job is to maintain that family unit. We've got to maintain this family cohesiveness and not let little differences of opinions break it up. I'm not saying that's going on. I'm saying I'm seeing it out there, and I don't want it to come in here. I'm seeing other fellowships go through this. And I'm wanting to protect, you hear me always talk about Lashon or Ron, all the things that, that come against communities. And I'm wanting to let this fellowship, nothing's harmful with reminders, right? To be reminded about how unique of a fellowship we have, of the cohesiveness. Yes. <clears throat> so in uh, verse 27, it says, how long shall this wicked congregation grumble against me? I have heard <laughs> the grumblings of the people of Israel, which grumble against me. So I was looking at this, and I was led to um, Hebrews 3. Um, and in the um, 3.16, there's other part, other areas that talks about it, but in 3.16, the ESV version says rebel, those who rebelled against me. But the King James Version says, For some, when they had heard, did provoke. I went, not all came out of Egypt by Moses. So I looked at the word um, provoke. Um, oh, wait, 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 wait. Sorry. You didn't lose audio online. We're just, we're waiting. Okay, <laughs> no, sorry. I don't think we've lost audio. 
Anyways, um, it's um, when the, it's, they were irritable, when yeah. it's they were irritated, and that's what drove them to grumble. Right. And it's that, it started uh, somewhere, didn't it? Yeah. So it's like being irritable, but at the same time, when they're just irritable and they're complaining, grumbling, uh, Yahweh was just like, "I'm gonna, I'm gonna forgive you. I'm gonna continue to lead you. Um, just." you know, give you mercy and grace, but we got to be careful because Paul clearly tells us that if it's, we could be kept out of um, his rest. And it's through, and it's, he says it's through this irritability and like irritability leads to a lot of things. It leads to all sorts of sins. And so I think um, that's an important message that Paul's given us is this irritability. And I've had an issue with that, as my wife will tell you, for a long time. But I've really, through the, the Spirit, have taken control of that. But it does lead to a lot of sins. It leads to anger. It leads to, to holding grudges and, and all these things. And you cannot, cannot. you cannot have something against your brother and then and be okay with that. And it's just irritability. What if, I was says, you know what? My goal is here for these people, the land. But to get here, I've got to take them through a few stages and test them. Like what's happening here in our story. I'm going to put them in a little congregation. And I'm going to see how they react there and, and work with each other in that little congregation, which is happening all over the earth and just thousands of congregations. And he says, and this, if things go well there, I'm going to take them and put them on a piece of land. We're going to see how they work together on a piece of land. And if things go well, then it's time to now pull them to my peak. Because some of this stuff, like he did, he, he worked the rebels out before they got to the land. All this stuff gets worked out before you get to the land. How many of you are going to bring someone to your home that you do not know? I mean, total strangers. They can come in and live for, for the next two years. <laughs> but wouldn't you, wouldn't you want to get to know the person first? Just like here, we said, hey, we, we, we want to get to know you before you raise your hand and get the mic. It's getting to know the people. God's seeing them, giving them opportunities to test them and show themselves. Do you have your hand up, Gary? Miss understood what you were saying but we've allowed people to come and stay in our house to help them <laughs> out but um they were believers yeah and, yes and, and so but i understand what you're saying yeah yeah somebody you didn't know that you don't know if they're a covenant member or not yeah so it would it'd be a, a hard thing to do okay yes go ahead i think it's worth pointing out that these the men that came across with a bad report they were the leaders so yep. of each tribe so they were well respected and Top i of the think rank. that we tend to do that a lot yeah. with each other you know we put each other on pedestals and you really do have to be careful yeah. and measure everything against the word yeah. of god top of the rank man that's terrible isn't it talk about spreading wildfire amongst the whole community so i want to finish with this He put them to the test these ten times. They did not heed my voice. They will not see the land that I have sworn to their fathers. So all who provoked me before me will not see it. Now the word heed is the word Shema. They did not heed. They did not hear it and obey it. Yes. I was trying to find it. Do you remember the Proverbs we looked at this week that equated patience that a man of patience gains understanding, mm-hmm. but an impatient man leads to folly. Because mm-hmm. I noticed in the passage you had read earlier, he, that it's attributing one of the characteristics of Yah as patient. Patience. And I think Ooh. when we... Father, help it, me. It, it also equated it as strong in spirit. It equated patience with a man that is strong in spirit, that that man will gain understanding. Mm. And I think that's what we see was lacking, as Raphael mentioned, 
they were lacking the patience to wait upon the Father to act. Patience. That could be a test for a lot of men, huh? Okay. But Caleb, my servant, because the Holy Spirit was with him, and he was perfect after my memory. He was after my word. He was hunting my word. His heart was in tune with the word. So I'm going to bring him into the land he is entering, and his sons will possess it. But what about the children of the rebels? They saw it, didn't they? Verse 36. Now the men whom Moses had sent to spy out the land and had returned and caused the whole congregation to grumble against him so as to bring out a bad report, the men who had brought out a bad report of the land died in a plague before Yahuwah. But of the men who went to spy out the land, Joshua, son of Nun, and Caleb, son of Yefune, they endured. They prevailed. Wow. So then they rose up in the morning, went out in the height of the country. Behold, we're going to go to this place where Yahuwah said, that we, for we have sinned. And Moses said, what in the world are you people doing? Why are you going to transgress against the decree of the Memra of Yahuwah? For it's not going to succeed. Don't go up. For the glory of the Shekinah of Yahuwah is not dwelling among you that you be not defeated before your enemies. For the Amalekites and the Canaanites are there before you, and you will fall by the sword, because you have turned from the Memra. You've turned from the Word. And the Memra of Yahuwah is not going to be with you. Man, I want the Word with me. I want the, the Word with me. Why is it so important that the Word is with them? like the ark going before the, the, the congregation. Everything is laid waste before the ark where the word is. And then judgment. So obviously they're going to go up, the Malachites are going to destroy them, and they get wiped out. So I want to transition because we're going to be patient with me. We've got, I've got a few commentaries, I think three, maybe two, three, that I want to read to you. And I want we need to catch the emphasis and the heart of what's being said in the commentaries about the commonwealth and citizenship. So we're going to look at the prophet portion first. Second Chronicles 36.14 says, All the leaders of the priests increasingly acted treacherously according to all of the unclean abominations of the Gentiles. And they defiled the temple of Yahweh, which had, which had been consecrated in Jerusalem. We have this We have this defilement happening in our, pro our Torah portion. We've got a defilement happening here in Second Chronicles, and I want to show you what it says here in this commentary. The command to destroy the Canaanites was very specific: you shall smite them, utterly wipe them out; you shall destroy their altars, break down their images, for thou art a holy people unto Yahweh your Elohim. But too often the house of David and Judah built high places, images, groves on every hill, under every green tree. And there were also Sodomites in the land. And they did according to the abominations of the nations. I'm going to touch on Sodomite here for a minute. The Sodomite theme in Judges 19 and 20 is relating to family community, and social disintegration. The family unit, the community unit, and the social unit is disintegrating in a sodomite mindset, a sodomite work that's happening amongst the people. When that sodomite spirit has come into a community, a family, and a social existence, a disintegration happens. Are you guys seeing that today? Yes. This is uh, done by design. If you go back to your last slide, it goes with that perfectly, but <laughs> yeah. this is what's going on in America, which they worship the gray whore. I mean, she's standing right there, mm -hmm. right? So 
sodomy definitely is what we following because we following after the doctrine of the great whore, which we got to come out of her. Yep. So I want to share with you, this is illustrated in Deuteronomy 23.17. There shall be no cult prostitute, which is a set-apart one, of the daughters of Israel. Neither shall there be a cult prostitute of the sons of Israel, which is a whore of the daughters of Israel or a sodomite of the sons of Israel. Bear with me, we're going to dig into this. I want to make sure you understand what's being said. Even to many non-readers of the Bible, the city of Sodom is infamous. It was destroyed because of its unspeakable sins. Although the same sins rage today with hardly an outcry from society, the word sodomite, in fact, is kadesh, a derivative of kadosh, which they talked about in January, which while denoting something holy or consecrated, the question is this, consecrated to what? In the context of the pagan temple, the word was used of a man who was set apart for temple service, that is, a male prostitute. Not for women, for men. That's sodomite. A male prostitute for men. In light of the homosexual sin of Sodom, it seems clear that such men were homosexual or at least bisexual prostitutes. Way back then, the enemy hasn't changed anything. He knows what, what is an abomination to God. He knows what it is. And his goal is to bring the abominations that God calls abominations into the people to defile them so they are unfit for his presence, they are unfit for worship, they are unfit for his kingdom, and therefore he claims them for himself. Yes. Now I actually have something to say on this. Even though it's not obvious... What it, what it states here, it it is around today. Although it's subtle, we can still see it in people. Yeah. Some of us would say it's not so subtle. Yeah. Continuing on in our prophet portion, it says, In the first year of Cyrus, sovereign of Persia, in order to accomplish the word of Yahuwah by the mouth of Yermiyahu, Yahuwah stirred up the spirit of Cyrus, sovereign of Persia, so that he called out in all of his reign and also put it in writing, saying, Thus said Cyrus, sovereign of Persia, Yahuwah Elohim of the heavens has given me all the reins of the earth, and he has commanded me to build him a house in Jerusalem. People would say, Ah, uh, the people that, that established the nation of Israel are all evil and corrupt. But here's a guy that's the leader of Persia. God has commissioned him to go and build a house for the Most High. God can use anybody and anything he wants to accomplish his goals. And if we fight, we, we, if we fight against whatever God has done, we could find ourselves fighting against God Almighty himself. Here and then over here. Well, my thought goes back to just what you were talking about just a moment ago. I'm old enough to remember that our country was founded on anti-sodomite. It was illegal. It was on the books. Sodomy was illegal. And I remember, I don't know how many years ago, when the cry of the gays was, get out of our bedroom. And I'm thinking to myself, well, you know, maybe... I'm not saying repeal the law, but the law was repealed after that, saying we don't punish it, we don't acknowledge it, we'll just take it off the books. Now it's not a crime. Well, look what happened. In America and in Israel, sad to say, you know the devil's so sneaky, they have the biggest gay pride parade of any country. It, I yep. mean, it's, it's astonishing yep, what happened. Yep, yep. Okay, I want to read something to you. They were kicked out because of rebellion. Judgment came, but Elohim brought them back and used a Gentile to accomplish it. So God kicks the, north, the southern kingdom out, sends them to Babylon. They did what was wrong. 
did he stop shepherding them? They, they did wrong. They're getting kicked out because of the evil, because they did wickedness. But in captivity, he brings a Gentile to set them free and sets them to their heart now as one. God is bringing them. He hasn't abandoned them. Deuteronomy 4.26 says, I call heaven and earth to witness against you today that you will surely perish quickly from the land where you are going over the Jordan to possess it. You shall not live long on it, but will utterly be destroyed. The Lord will scatter you among the peoples, and you will be left few in number among the nations where Yahweh drives you. Prophecy happening here, right? Of what not only happened with Babylon, but I think today as well. There you will serve other gods. The work of man's hands, wood and stone, which neither see nor hear nor eat or smell. But from there, from America, from Babylon, from Persia, from whatever land you want to pick, from there, you will seek Yahuwah Elohim and you will find him if you search for him with all your heart, with all your soul. When you are in distress and all the things have come upon you, in the latter days, you will return to Yahuwah Elohim and listen to his voice. The very thing he said they weren't doing here. They weren't listening to the word. You're going to listen to my word. It's like God is prophetically saying, I'm going to cause something to happen in you that you're going to search me out. I will say for myself, something miraculous happened within me. I don't believe it was me. I believe something happened within me. I believe God did the work within me and caused me to do those things. And he says, For Yahweh your God is a compassionate God. He will not fail you, nor destroy you, nor forget the covenant with your fathers, which he swore to them. He's not going to forget the covenant to the fathers, even when they've rebelled, even when they got kicked out. God's not forgetting his covenants. And I'm glad that he's a God that's faithful to his promise and his covenant because I can bank on that all day long. As a matter of fact, all of you that bank on that are going to get gold in the latter days. From the big bank. Yes. I think that goes along with when Yeshua said, Seek ye first the kingdom of God (laughs) and all things will be added unto you. Amen. Well said. So I'm going to transition to our New Testament portion, Philippians chapter 3. And it says, look out for dogs. Look out for the evil workers. Remember what's going on, not just in Philippi, but Ephesus and Corinth, all these places. You've got Judaizers that want to bring people in through circumcision. And this is the way. This is the way. No, there's only one way. Just as Abraham had faith in the promise, we must have faith in the promise, which is Yeshua. And he said, if you just get circumcised, bros, you're in. And he's fighting this battle. He says, look out for the mutilation. Again, mutilation meaning the circumcision. We are the circumcision who are serving Elohim in the Spirit and boasting in Messiah, Yehushua, and do not trust in flesh. Now this word flesh is not meaning not trusting in circumcision because that would be ridiculous because Paul, clearly, they talk about circumcision is valid once you've come in and you're in the kingdom. But he's talking about not trusting in flesh, meaning man's way of doing things, just like Sarah and Abraham tried to do it through Hagar, man's way. He's saying don't trust in man's invention of entering in the kingdom. God's giving you the way. It's the door, Yeshua. He's the way. Don't try to do it another way. If you do it another way, you're trusting in flesh to, to bring about your inheritance. Can't come through flesh. The apostle in this verse teaches that the ordinance of circumcision was not de- designed to be a mere outward ceremony, but was intended to be the emblematic of the reunification of the flesh with its corrupt pro- propensities and to lead to the pure and spiritual worship of Elohim. In this, he has undoubtedly stated its true design. They who now urged it as a necessary entrance to salvation and who made salvation depend on its mere outward observance had lost sight of the object of the right. 
agreeing with what I just said. I mean, this is a commentary saying the same thing. Verse 8, what is more, I even count to all to be lost because of the excellence of the knowledge of Messiah my master, for whom I have suffered the loss of all and count them as refuse in order to gain Messiah and be found in him, not having my own righteousness, which is, and I grayed out the because the word, the, the article the is not in there, meaning he's talking about man's law, which Rafi touched about in the in-depth study, you know, the, the man-made traditions which is the law, but that which is through belief in Messiah, the righteousness which is from Elohim on the basis of belief. See, if, if man says you can come in through circumcision, that's man's law. Man invented that. Numbers 4.11 says, and oh wait, I guess it finishes. But that which is through belief in Messiah, the righteousness which is from Elohim on the basis of belief. Numbers 14.11, and our portion says this, same thing. And the Lord said to Moses, how long have these people provoked me to anger? How long will they not believe in my word? Over here in, in, in our Philippians 3.9, says they must have belief in Yeshua, the Messiah, the word. Has anything changed? Numbers 14.11, they must believe in my word. And over here in Philippians 3, it says they got to believe in the word. I love it when things don't change. To know him and the power of his resurrection, the fellowship of his sufferings, being conformed to his death, that somehow I might attain to the resurrection from the dead. And then, of course, we have rebellion. Why? Because people trust in flesh. They trust in flesh. Why did they get wiped out in our prophet or Torah portion? They didn't trust Elohim. When they got skull, they said, you know what? We can do it. They never said anything about God's going to do it or be with them. They said, look, we're going to go and we're going to get it done. We, 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 me, 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 I, I, I. They trusted in flesh. They weren't trusting in the word and the promise that he said, I will go in and take care of business. This is what's happening. We've got to make sure we, our, our minds are on that. Yes, Mike. It's interesting about that is they knew that they couldn't go out unless the ark went ahead before them, <laughs> but yet they, because it says... Let's leave the word behind. In some of the, one translation I read, it says they presumed, and presumption is a bad thing because it just leads to disaster. Oop, big mistake. Yeah. Big mistake, yes. Yeah, you, you cannot believe in the flesh because it, we're, it, what's flesh, blood, and bones going to do, Right. It's just dust. You might as well believe in nothing at that point. <laughs> Come right. on. Amen. Now, after the judgment and the defeat in our Torah portion, then there's repentance, and then there's return, and there's pressing on to the goal. So he says here, keeping kindness for thousands of generations, forgiving iniquities and rebellion and sins, forgiving those who turn, who return to his Torah, but those who do not return... He does not declare innocent, visiting the sins of the fathers upon the rebellious children and grandchildren to the third and fourth generations. Jeremiah 17.5 says this, Thus says Yahuwah, Cursed is the man who trusts in flesh and puts his trust in flesh so that his mind goes away from the memra of the Lord. When his mind goes away from the word, of Yahuwah, he's trusting in flesh, Jeremiah 17.5 says, and they're contrasting obtaining things of Elohim man's way versus obtaining him through the word and the promises of the Most High. Galatians 5.16 says this, but I say walk by the Spirit and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. For the desire of the flesh are against the Spirit and the desires of the Spirit are against the flesh. For these are opposed to one another to keep you from doing the things that you want to do. <laughs> Reminds me of Adam. Because I'm going to create a woman for you. She's going to help you not do the things you want to do. She's going to help show you the things you should do. But if you are led by the Spirit, you are not under the law. Now the works of the flesh 
are evident. Sexual immorality, impurity, sensuality, idolatry, sorcery, enmity, strife, jealousy, fits of anger, rivalries. I mean, does this stuff exist in congregations? Oh, yeah. People let it in. Divisions, envy, drunkenness, orgies. And things like these, I warn you, as I warned you before, that those who do such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. You mean, if we're part of divisions in the body, we're not going to inherit it? His word says it. Something you've got to wrestle with. Philippians 3.3 3 disdains any confidence being placed in the flesh, meaning human nature. So we're going to transition as we're closing into these Two commentaries. I want you to get this, so please stay with me. Don't fall asleep on me. Stay with me on this. I want you to get this. Moen writes this. In Philippians 3.20, it says, For our citizenship is in heaven. We're going back to Lisa's uh, extra-biblical text that talks about the city of righteousness, the city of Jerusalem, which talks about the city of, of Enoch, right? And it says, our citizenship is in heaven, from which also we eagerly wait for our Savior, Messiah Yahushua. So he says, when you read this verse, doesn't anything seem odd to you? It doesn't matter if you read it out of the NIV, but our citizenship is in heaven. Both English translations say pretty much the same thing. What they say implies something that might not fit the orientation of a Hebrew thinker like Paul. The Greek word, politioma, doesn't quite mean what the English translator suggests. We have to dig a bit to see why. This Greek word is only used one time in the New Testament, and it's part of the police family of words, or idea of politics. This is where politics come from. But rather than being about a citizen, this Greek word is really about the state itself, the commonwealth or the community administration that governs its members. The word means citizen, as we see in Acts 22:28. but the emphasis of our word is not on the individual who is a citizen, but rather on the governing commonwealth. So when he's saying our citizenship is in heaven, he's saying the governing body of us is from heaven, the, the city above. That's where our citizenship is. That's what governs our community is the things that are from above. So read this verse again. When we read it with the English translation citizenship, where does the emphasis lie? Does this translation imply that each of us is a citizen? Doesn't the translation focus on our individual rights and calling to be as God's children? Doesn't it suggest that we should be carrying passports issued from heaven? But what, about, but what would this verse suggest if the word were translated commonwealth or community? suddenly the Greek individualism disappears. Now the verse suggests that we are all one within the commonwealth, that the most important thing is not you and me, but rather the relationship we have to the governing administration of heaven. Now Paul sounds like a Hebrew rather than a Greek. Oh man, I'm telling you, this is good. This is really good. And now you know why I'm talking so much about community here is because commonwealth, it's the governing body. We are members. How blessed are we? that we're members of this commonwealth from heaven, and that we get to be with each other here in that commonwealth under the administration from above. Man. So if you step back a few verses, you will find that Paul is exhorting readers to walk according to that governing principle of the commonwealth of heaven. In other words, live as God expects. It's fascinating to notice that there is only one commonwealth of heaven. Only one heavenly administration. Everyone who belongs comes under the same legislation. One God, one Torah, one Mashiach, one community of saints, period. That's the commonwealth. There isn't two of any of those. Colossians 1.13 says, For he rescued us from the domain of darkness and transferred us to the commonwealth of his beloved son in other words the governing body of his son in whom we have redemption the forgiveness of sins john 18 36 says yahushua answered my kingdom 
my governing body is not of the earth. My kingdom, my governing body is that which is above. And you know what? When he brought the memory to us, the governing body that was above, that was only for the angels, came now to men, and we get to now participate. We get to partake. We get to eat and enjoy all of that wonderful things about the administration from above. It has come to us, and we get to be a partaker of it. Do you know what mankind does? Mankind, like he said in our Torah portion, they set aside the memra, and they decided to invent their own ideas of what should be done. They forget what God said. Oh, you know what? Do I really need that? Like the snake said to Eve, did that administration really tell you that? Was that really what the administration is telling you to do? We get that in our head that it's the administration of heaven that has come to us. Oh. So our word here often denotes a colony of foreigners or relocated veterans. Here on earth, we are a colony of heavenly citizens. So be careful that your doctrine not become earthly colonized and therefore lose your heavenly citizenship. (laughs) I'm going to say that again because it's really good. Be careful that your doctrine not become earthly colonized and therefore lose your heavenly citizenship. Oh, wow. So the Greek text of Philippians 3.20 offers two insights, not readily apparent in a translation. We talked about the one word, polytuma, has two distinct properties not obvious in the text. The word is better translated commonwealth. This is a different commentary from a different person. I'm giving you two perspectives from two different people. Or state, because the emphasis is on the governing of the group. The closely related term refers to the constitution that establishes and defines the government of the people. Our Greek word, or, or this, this person, polyvoos, <laughs> used this Greek word for both government and constitution. Today, many countries automatically confer citizenship at birth on people born within their boundaries. So I'm reminded of Ephesians 2.12, which says, Remember that you were at that time separate from Messiah, excluded from the commonwealth, from the heavenly administration, because they got divorced, and you are no longer part of the heavenly administration. The children in Babylon, they were kicked out of the land, but God brought them back in. We were booted out, but God brought us back in. Yes. Actually, that's what I was going to say, is that you had mentioned in the beginning about a remnant that had always been part of the tree of life. They never left. They've always been there. They upheld from the very beginning. True and blue. What they were instructed to live by, the instructions they were given. But there were those that were cut off. There were those, as Gary has spoken about or issued the divorce. Yeah. So when we look at the scriptures that we look at through the New Testament, we have to remember the audience that those are directed to. Yes. Those of you, and he says, I came for the lost, lost sheep. sheep of the house of Israel. Yeah. He's giving, that's who the audience is. So we can't put everybody in that box. Yep. But those that do fit in that box, those that were cut off, He's telling us the way back in is through Messiah. The door. He's the only way to be grafted back into the commonwealth. He's the door that you have to enter to so that you can gain your citizenship back again. You cannot come through um, Judaism. You cannot come through a religion. He is the door for those of you that have been cut off. We have friends that have, have have renounced Messiah and have become part of other religions and we have said to them he is the door if you have been cut off there is no other way to come in through but through him yeah well said yes well um i'm looking at psalms 37 18 it says uh know the days of um know the days of the perfect and their inheritance is forever they are not ashamed in the time of evil, 
and in the days of scarcity, scarcity of food, they are satisfied. Uh, but the wrongdoers shall perish, and the enemies of Yahuwah, like the splendor of the meadows, they vanish like smoke, they vanish away. So that's God's word, they'll vanish. You know, Ward points out to me several times, or as I say, has pointed out to me several times, that heaven had angels that rebelled and said, we don't want to be under the administration anymore. But did all the angels rebel? No. There are some that are still holding to the tree of life. There's still some holding to the administration and said, we are going to stay devoted to the memory of the Yahuwah, and we're not going to depart from it. Even in heaven, even in, in the administration, there were rebels. Got booted out, yes. But when Yeshua said he's not of this world, he wasn't talking about the earth. He was talking about <laughs> the rudimentary elements that are going to be destroyed by fervent Amen. heat, which is the stoichia. Yes. Which I found this out, which was pretty scary. Some of the red dot tattooing they're doing for the young people, they're using a science which is called stoichiometry. Yeah. And I'm kind of like, like when he said, render to Caesar what Caesar's, because that's not my administration. I've got a different administration. I'm, I'm part of another whole thing here. Yes. I have a question. So I'm following you. Got to be not divided, be in a congregation, be all in, all those things. Okay, but where does this fit in? What would you say? Where will this fit in? Yeah, it's in 2 okay. Timothy. Understand this. Would you agree we're in the last days? I would say that, well, you know, we're going to find out here real quick with this Shemitah cycle. Okay. So, so we were just talking about earlier, Ward said if, if things don't happen here in the next decade or two, then it's, we're another 80 years out. Because Timothy says, understand this, in the last days hard times will come. People will be lovers of self, lovers of money, boastful, arrogant, blasphemers, disobedient to parents. They'll be ungrateful, unholy, hard-hearted, unforgiving, backbiting, without self-control. They will be brutal. They will hate what is good. They will be treacherous. They will be reckless, conceited, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of Yah, <laughs> holding an outward form of godliness but denying its power, and Scripture says to avoid these people. So where does that fit in to community and congregation? Because I guarantee you I've met some of those people. I don't mean here. That's yeah. not what I was saying. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. and <laughs> I think you know all I mean? of us have met people like that in, in our walks of life. The thing is, when you, for, for us, for Rafi Perry and me and Polly and those that are part of the leadership, we're try we want to have this community operate the way we see the commonwealth or the, the administration telling us to do it. And so you've got the Matthew 18, you've got other places, how to walk that out. Thank goodness. I mean, this doesn't have, I mean, we, we've been very blessed to not have those issues, but we've got to, I think part of that helps by reminding the people about these things that will, can cause issues that bring about reprimand. And so, yeah. I would say the list that you just rattled off, uh, you've probably named 80-something percent of the population of the earth. <laughs> I think that also could be a very end because it says, uh, I believe it is in Revelation, it says uh, something about Israel becoming an estate. I'm not sure that this Israel is the state or not. I'm not sure you know, that we're seeing of war, but there's been things that could be considered the end times. And we're also supposed to be watching, watching for the lovers of self in and outside of con our congregation. But it also look at a prophecy of the red heifers that have gone to Israel already. Um, and just all the things drying up. Just, we could be, but I don't know. We're supposed to be watching what has come at the end of the age. We're supposed to be watchers Amen. of what of his word and, and all of that. So I find it interesting that the writer of Ephesians says... That you guys, the audience, and remember, he's been sent to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. And now that our understanding of a commonwealth means the governing body, he said, you guys were separate from Yeshua, excluded from the commonwealth. You've been excluded from that. You're strangers to the covenants. You're strangers to the promises. You have no hope. You are without Elohim. But now the door has come for you to come back in. Did the door come to them because they merited it through some righteous deed that they did? No. The door came because of his compassion and his mercy. 
And if it comes to us, it comes to anybody. That mercy and grace can come to anybody to reach out and take hold of it and come through the door. Yes. I think it's important to remember that Yeshua said, no one can come unto me unless the Father draws them, (laughs) and I will raise them in the last day. And I think a lot of people, and I've met some who have told me that they have arrived, that they have all the answers, oh my. and they feel like they have to forcibly force people into this movement, and Oof. I think that's the wrong attitude. Absolutely. I believe we, that the Father is fully capable of calling who he will, yes. and that yes. we need to be here to receive them and to help them along, to be a light to them, Amen. to be a light on a hill, Amen. and not to be some Torah terrorist. Yep. So anyway, that's just... Yeah, we've all seen the Torah terrorists. Yeah, so that's, that's not good. <laughs> In Paul's day, citizenship was a rare privilege. And remember how, how rare and what a privilege it is that we are citizens. Awarded by a particular city such as Antioch or Alexandria. Yet both then and now, citizenship and commonwealth imply acceptance by a government. So if you're in the commonwealth, you've been accepted by the government that is above that heavenly city. That is the city that your eyes are on because the city has accepted you. It's the city of righteousness, the city of government that governs the body of the people. A citizen or a commonwealth is defined in part by its government, its governing principles or tenets. Paul's point is that believers are granted the supreme privilege of being members of the commonwealth of Elohim under the constitution of the Memra, the constitution of the Memra led by Mashiach. Ooh. I could read that once a day, at least. In verse 27, Paul used the cognate verb conduct to encourage the Philippian believers to conduct themselves in a manner of any good citizen. Well, that means you're a citizen because you're abiding in the governing body from above. Conduct yourself that makes the governing body pleased by your conduct. We would expect Paul to use walk or walk around or to live, but it is no accident Paul uses this Greek word conduct since Philippi was a Roman colony, governed as though the city were located in Italy. Just as the citizens of Philippi, many of them Roman veterans, comported themselves with the pride and demeanor suitable to their social rank, so Paul urges believers to demonstrate by thought and deed their status as resident aliens under God's kingdom reign. My point in what he's saying here is, you're a resident alien in the USA because this isn't your home, Jerusalem, right? And so you're to conduct yourself as resident aliens here, demonstrating what governing body you are abiding by while you're in the land of your exile. That's what we're to do. Keep, keep going on, reaching for the goal. Keep going on and being the example in the exiled nation that you're in, demonstrating the light that the governing body is upon me. The reign of the kingdom of Elohim is on me and in my heart. I am a shining light of the kingdom of the Most High, just blasting out brilliant light everywhere. That's what he's encouraging his people to do. Israel, of course, was unique and was to remain so in God's plan. She was to be unique in every possible way, a nation that could be. Land, language, government, religion, morality, and all else. She was, she was to ever be a holy nation, to keep herself separate and pure from all other nations who would be judged for their abominations and idolatry. Further, Israel was warned repeatedly that if she lived and worshipped as other nations, She's taking herself out from underneath that governing body. She's taking herself out from underneath the citizenship and the commonwealth of the people. She's choosing not to be blessed. She's choosing not to be shepherded. She's choosing not to be protected. She's choosing all the things that come underneath that governing body. She's taking herself out of it, as it would any of us. 
And so she would share in the judgment of the kingdom she puts herself under. You're going to walk out of that kingdom and put yourself underneath that kingdom, you're going to get the judgments that come on that kingdom. <laughs> it's just that simple. So the applications of all of this are numerous. God turned to the Gentiles to take out of them a people for his name. For Gentiles were once aliens from the commonwealth of Israel, strangers from the covenants of promises, having no hope and without God in the world. Messiah has brought them peace and fellowship. That's the Pesach meal. The fellowship. We're breaking the bread. We're drinking the, the life. The assembly then is unique and is to remain pure and separate from the world. Would you stand with me? So I want you all to remember, you're just not ordinary people. You're not ordinary folks. You're Joes. You're Joes that have been selected. Sons of Joseph have been selected. God has allowed you to come back into the commonwealth of the community. He's allowed you to be back underneath the administration of the creator of heaven and earth. To be back under the administration of the Memra, the word of Elohim. The voice guides you. There is none greater. What a privilege to see and feel that, to know that's how special you are. You're underneath that. The cloud is over you. The pillar of fire is amongst you. And that makes you special. Father, we thank you for the word today, for the encouragement that we need to be watchful about what we do, that we're, we are blessed people to have a community, that we can be amongst each other, not to, be, not to let the, the kingdom of the world that, that, that brings division, that brings uh, jealousy, that brings uh, uh, haughtiness, but Father, we are going to continue to be thankful for this community to love one another, to, to treat each other the way the kingdom administration above teaches us to do. And how blessed it is that we get to love one another as you love us. Thank you, Father, for showing us these words today and encouraging us and reminding us to be those people set apart unto you. We glorify you and praise you for the work that you do in each of us. In Master Hoosier's name we give thanks. Amen. Now we get to say, Shabbat Shalom! Shabbat Shalom! Hey! Shabbat Shalom! Hey! Thank you everyone for joining us online. Thank you all here. Have a blessed rest of your Shabbat. Shabbat Shalom.